This episode is brought to you in part by Richmond Graduate University. The field of mental health counseling is growing rapidly. Richmond Graduate University can equip you to become a licensed professional counselor, integrating your faith into your clinical practice. Programs are offered in Atlanta, Chattanooga, and online. Apply today at richmont.edu. Clocks, calendars, and timekeeping tech. We're celebrating the new year the only way we know how. It's time for Device and Virtue. Well, hey, welcome back to Device and Virtue, where we argue the wrongs and rights of technology and faith in everyday life. I'm Chris. And I'm Adam. Hey, Adam. Hi, Chris. I just want to say Happy New Year. Happy New Year, We are, we're talking about the calendar today. Ten, uh, nine, (laughs) eight, seven, six. You're going to go all the way. (laughs) Chris, I've made a resolution this year. What's your resolution? My resolution is to argue with you as much as possible. Oh, see, so that's I, like really new. I know, but <laughs> and I was going to go for the opposite. <laughs> oh, you were <laughs> but to try then, to cut it down. No, no. But then we wouldn't have a podcast anymore and I'd be sad about that. So I guess my resolution is to continue having this podcast. So Adam, what are some of your uh, favorite New Year's traditions? You know, dancing, dancing. If yes. I, if I can dance on New Year's, I'm, I'm pretty happy. I don't know. What about you? I don't know. I like, you know, like friends. I just like the good countdown. Like You I'm, like the good countdown. <laughs> I do. I think you what need you... you need like traditional stuff. You need the champagne. Whoa, you are saying you like the tr- you like tradition? <laughs> the man who wants like alpha consumer wants change all the time and you're saying you love the the tradition. I'm saying you need the, the champagne. It's not nice because I don't know what nice champagne is, but you need the cheap champagne, <laughs> and you need the like the little glasses, and you need like the the TV on or something so you can. Dick Clark. And then, now it's Ryan Seacrest. I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. The gosh, ball dropping gosh, in New York City. How old are you? And uh, and you just need everyone to like sort of yell it out: ten, nine, eight, <laughs> seven, six, and then you like yo Happy New Year, and then <sighs> and then you sing um, old you know enzymes or whatever it is. <laughs> Old enzymes. That's, yeah, that's good. I just think the countdown is so contrived. I think it's just this, this thing that we've layered onto human society. Don't you think? (laughs) Okay. If all of culture is layered on human society, then fine. Exactly. Let's all just eat grass like cavemen. (laughs) (laughs) We're allowed to have songs and have fun and it sort of marks the moment and you count down the seconds. Here's the thing. I like this because today, and did you know this, we're talking about the seconds as a technology, meaning that for most of humankind, seconds weren't something that humans knew about. It was a technology added later in the 1660s. Thank you. <laughs> the 1660s. That's so specific. <laughs> seconds existed before that. Did they? But, uh, did they? I don't know about that. But if we're thinking about the new year, Christians or humans a thousand years ago would not have celebrated a new year by counting down from 10. Yeah, I mean, they kind of, it was kind of the winter solstice, right? Like it was that moment when things sort of turn around. It was that season where the light stops diminishing 
and starts coming back. It, what is it? It, it? it stops waning and it waning. starts waxing. Waxing. Those the, are moon terms we learned in sixth grade. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, it's the same with the sun. Like that, the winter solstice, you know, December 21st or whatever, it's this turnaround where we start going back in the other direction and, and the light starts to, days start to be longer. Yeah. So we measure time by the light. And the sun, exactly. and the moon, yeah. and the stars. Exactly. It, we're, 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 we're in the rhythm of the universe when we do that. That's what I'm saying. But you have this wistful face. I know. I, say that. I just, I just love, I just love tradition. <laughs> no, that's me with it. Well, my tradition is the seconds. Yes, I know. So this week, you and I both nerded hard about the. <laughs> technology of the calendar and the clock because we were thinking about new year's and so i feel like we need to tell a story about where the clock came from and why i think it's a technology and possibly why i think it's a pretty cool thing that we can count down from 10 yeah the 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 crazy thing about the calendar and the clock is that they they have deeply religious roots yeah and they have deeply christian roots and i think i realized that when I found out that not everybody celebrates Easter at the same time. True. And it kind of goes back to this idea that actually Christians don't celebrate the new year on December 31st. They actually celebrate it like a month earlier. That's true. If you follow the church calendar, which like all Catholic churches do, Anglican churches, some evangelical churches even do this, but the church new year starts at the beginning of Advent, which is somewhere like December 1st-ish. A couple a couple weeks ago, I'm in church right after Thanksgiving, and they're like, Happy New Year! It's Advent! <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> and I was like, oh, yeah, we have lost that, and I'm sure it's the clock's fault. <laughs> <laughs> so what does it mean that the church has its own calendar? Yeah. What does the calendar say about humans and the way they think about time? Yeah. And what the heck happened with going from winter solstice to counting down? Yeah. As I was thinking about this, I was thinking about two different musicals. Of course you were. I don't know. Rent. Rent, the musical. Uh, yeah. 525,600 minutes. Could you sing it, please? How do you measure a year? I'm not singing it. <laughs> I could, though. So that's the one I was thinking of. And, and it's a very modern question, like measuring all these minutes. But then on the other side, you have Fiddler on the Roof. Sunrise, sunset, sunrise, sunset. Oh, wow. So clearly we kind of have these two musicals on opposite ends of the spectrum that are celebrating the passing of time in two very different ways. You were saying there's two sides to this, two musicals. (laughs) (laughs) There's Um, two musical song selections. Choose which one you're on. And technology maybe moved us from seasons to seconds. Yes. It moved us from this sacred rhythm with the the solstice and the seasons and the days where we numbered our days and we we've moved to this secular timekeeping of the seconds and minutes that have us hurrying and hustling and anxious. I love that you're already calling it secular and bad. Let's go. Let's do it. So how did we get to this point where it's sort of the seasons versus the seconds? This sacred notion of time and this secular notion of time. Like how far back do we have to go to sort of get our handle (laughs) on how we think about time? 
I'm glad that you still are like dividing it like it's a big war. But anyway. It is a big war. Uh, uh, dude, you have to go all the way back to the Egyptians to figure out where we got some things, including why there are 12 months in a year. Okay. And there's 12 hours in a day. Have you ever thought about this? <laughs> Actually, there's 24 hours in a day. But, but, you know what you I mean. Know. 12. Because like, these are sort of random, right? Why aren't there like 10? Yeah. It, it does feel a little strange. Uh, there's 12. The reason is the Egyptians. Way back, <laughs> the Egyptians, they had gods. They had assigned these gods to constellations, stars they saw in the sky. And when they'd see certain ones rise, they'd sort of measure the times they came over the horizon. Okay. It was a spiritually important number to them, 12 constellations that they would track. And so they started dividing the time between sunrise and sunset into 12 spots, just 12 spots. But here's So the like 12 increments between 12 sunrise increments and, and sunrise sunset. sunset. But okay. here's the tricky thing. Hours changed lengths because sunrise and sunset changed. Right. That's so why I, it's dark outside right now in the winter <laughs> right, and right. we're all depressed. So if the Egyptians were tracking the hours right now, the hours would be super short. Mind-blowing thing. An yeah. hour was not the same length during the year. <laughs> it would change. That's, yeah, that is crazy. And so like, did they did they keep night hours? I suppose they did. They yeah, during the night hours, same, they'd have the night hours too. And they so would change like, length. And each day would change a little bit. So, the, you know, we look all this stuff up, but the Greeks and the Romans picked this system up. They're called temporal hours, and it's used for 2,500 years of human history, where the hours aren't 60 minutes long. They just sort of change with the markings of the day. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, even today, we still think about when is the sun coming up? When is it going down? Sure. Yeah. And we think about it in the absolute kind of, uh, time increment with with hours and seconds and so forth, but and it's that's still the, the same idea. And we got to get to that. When did that change? Because now we just get up for work, no matter what the sun's <laughs> doing. But then there's sundials, of course, and that marks time with the sun. Mm-hmm. And there's sort of water clocks, and there's all these sort of crazy things. But the church gets really involved with praying around yeah, the sun, right? Well, I guess before the church, we should talk about the Old Testament, right? Because Jews pray around the sun. You know, like right. there's prayers in the morning. And then prayers like in the afternoon and the evening. It's in the Bible. In the book of Acts, you have Peter and who else? <laughs> Peter and James. <laughs> yeah, I think so. We're gonna they're going, to the, wrong they're going to the synagogue to pray. Yeah, yeah. And it says they're going like at the ninth hour. Mm-hmm. And that's talking about the hour during the day when you would go to pray. You would well, pray regularly yeah. like at, at certain times of day and, where the sun and, was. And Jesus is crucified at the third hour. Yes, right? right. And so this regular prayer gets picked up by, you know, as Christians come on the scene, gets picked up by the church. There's a monk, you know, that's pretty, really, really famous, Benedict, who came up with the Benedictine monks, which are still around today. If you've ever gone to like a monastery and heard the monks singing, you know, their prayers, they do it at certain times a day, right? There's these old school Latin terms for this now. Yeah, like and, matins yes. and vespers, yes. right? Yeah. Like vespers is like evening prayer. Matins is, yeah. is that like morning prayer. It's yeah. where we get the word matinee, right? Ooh, I did not know that. Well, I mean, think about it. Yeah. <laughs> right. So like we, we would pray the where the sun was got really linked to when you prayed. Yeah. This has always been how the yeah. church thought about and, that. And see, that's what I'm saying. This This sacred notion of time has us in rhythm, in sync with the way that the universe is structured and the moon and the sun and the stars and the, and the planets are all, you know, kind of in this this dance and we are praying in in sort of concert we're dancing <laughs> that's why i love Sounds dancing so at new year's uh... I'm, i just figured it out i'm like i'm like dancing 
in Adam is dancing into the rhythm in, of the universe. In, in the rhythm oh. of the universe. <laughs> this is so exciting. So I feel like you're seeing together. this as a very spiritual thing and everyone was praying together. But let's be honest, the church actually started getting really ornery around where time was and working. Because you mentioned earlier that part of the church doesn't celebrate Easter at the same date as yeah. other parts of the church. Yeah. And that's true. The Eastern church calculates Easter differently. Yeah. And when you start talking about calculating dates, this started becoming a thing in the church. So there's different holidays like Easter or Christmas, mm-hmm. but they would mark them either on the sun, but there were also there was lunar calendars right. out there. And where are you going to combine these? And theologians start writing as the time goes on <laughs> yeah. towards the 1300s, start writing more and more papers yeah. um, about when a holiday should be. What did they call these? Computus. Yeah, that's right. You computus. keep forgetting this word. I did. It's computus. <laughs> I don't know how you keep forgetting this word. It's really similar to another word that's familiar to most of us. Oh, computer. <laughs> I'm glad you. Okay, here's, here's the thing. The church year sort of was arranged to imitate the life of Jesus. And hmm, so mm-hmm. you've got, you've got, Advent where we're we're leading up to the birth of Jesus and the birth of Jesus is around the turn from from darkness to light yeah right at the winter solstice and it moves us then into Easter the the death and resurrection of of Jesus and, mm-hmm. and then on to ascension and then mm-hmm. the giving of the Holy Spirit at Pentecost and then there's ordinary time which just kind of whatever <laughs> just a great term but like it's this whole idea that we're we're in sync with the way that the world was made and, and it aligns to the life of Jesus. And I mean, how is that, how is that not the right way to live? Sorry. I kind of got on a hobby horse, I guess, or something. I don't know. A soapbox. I've been on a soapbox lately. <laughs> lately. <laughs> yeah. I'm always on a soapbox. That's true. But back to your point, theologians are arguing about a lot of this, right? So people like Roger Bacon, People like Peter Abelard are arguing about, okay, how do we get in sync with the, the year as God has m- intended it to be? How do, we, how do we go with that rhythm? And so, yeah, they're, they're marking off the days and the season. They're continuing to get more and more precise with it. And they start creating some really weird gadgets around it too, <laughs> yeah. right? Yeah. So as I was doing research for this, I learned about this thing called the astrolabe. The what? The astrolabe. Okay. It's fascinating. It's an astronaut, but it's not. It's, it's an astrolabe. Yes, it's an astrolabe. It's like, yeah, I'm sure the astronauts use them though. <laughs> so think of sort of like a clock. It has a face like a clock. Okay. And it has three gears. The gear around the outside actually marks the, the 24 hours. Interesting. And I'm, then I'm image searching this And then right there's, now. yeah, totally go Google image search it. It's really fascinating. And then watch a TED talk on it. That's what I did. Oh. Which was nerdy and interesting and really geeky. And I found an app in the app store for it. So you can actually use it yourself. Yeah. But (laughs) these. these, I can't get Adam to install like regular apps, but of course he (laughs) finds an app for an Astrolabe. Dude, this thing looks amazing. It's got like, it's brass. It's got all these really weird rings that look like spirals or something. Yeah. So it. It basically orients you to the way that where the sun is going to rise and set, where the moon is going to rise and set based on the time of year, where all the constellations will be in the sky, where to look for them. It's really a fascinating device. I don't totally know how to use it, but it was orienting the calendar and it was a precursor that kind of 
gave birth to the modern clock. And it was this idea that the whole universe is sort of this mechanical world and we can create a mechanism that tracks all of these movements. They're all moving in concert. And if you think about gears inside a clock that are moving and they're doing the same thing, but they're doing it on uh, a much more precise, much more specific level. This episode is brought to you in part by Thomas Nelson, publisher of Grieve, Breathe, Receive, Finding a Faith Strong Enough to Hold Us, written and narrated by Pastor Steve Carter. Grieve, Breathe, Receive. Those three words became a profound mantra for Steve Carter during a season of deep healing, the kind that comes after painful trauma. Grieve, Breathe, Receive is available everywhere audiobooks are sold. Visit thomasnelson.com audio to learn more. So the thing that changed everything, the technological invention that turned history around Adam was a little piece of a clock in the 1280s called an escapement. They already had gears sort of invented, and they sort of had weights invented, but apparently there was this piece called an escapement. I don't understand physics, but it did something with the weights and the gears that made the mechanism pull with equal force so a clock could start measuring click, click, click with equal intensity. Uh, and you know you, who sponsored... You, do you feel that? <laughs> do you feel that burden already starting? Do you know who sponsored the first clock? That we know of, the earliest recorded weight-driven mechanical clock with an escapement. I don't know. It was probably someone. The, with... Roman, the Roman Catholic Church. Oh, man. They installed it at a, in England in a monastery, a priory. And it makes sense. They were sort of investing in the technology. They wanted to know when the prayer times for the, for the monks were supposed to be. And it spread all the way across Europe in the second half of the 13th century. And it possibly changed the entire way we think. Instead of hours moving between sunrise and sunset, this thing just measured equal time. Click, click, click. And so we started measuring 24 equal parts through the 12 hours at night and 12 hours during the day, but not for sunrise to sunset. It just stayed where it was. Yeah, so all of a sudden, instead of being in sync with the sunrise and the sunset, it's now... We're in sync with the click, click, click. It's so comforting. (laughs) (laughs) That's in like the 1280s, you said? Yeah, yeah. So then about 90 years later in Paris, King Charles V decrees... King Chuck. King Chuck decrees that according to the palace clock, all churches and other clock keepers had to toll the hours with the palace clock that's keeping it click how interesting click click. and the reason they did this was to organize private commercial and industrial life so all of society is suddenly keeping the click 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 kind of pattern of life 
So throughout the town, it wouldn't just it wouldn't be their individual timepieces. It was still held by the big institutions, right? It was held by the church sure. or the palace. Sure. But he wanted them all in sync, so you could yeah. go down. And I could say, "Hey, let's meet at two p.m. and discuss yeah. uh, these bolts of cloth I'm going to sell you." Yeah, and you would meet me we at can, two. We can look up at the clock tower, and we know about what time we need to leave to get to where this we makes need sense to, be. to me. The whole city could be on a standard time, and people could like do human things together. Okay, so what I find interesting about this is this idea that I'm looking into the sun uh, rise and sunset to order my prayer hours. Yes. And then, and now I'm looking at a clock tower to order when I'm going to meet someone else. So rather than thinking, oh, I need to, I need to meet with God. It's suddenly saying, oh, I need to meet with another person. And the, the gaze shifts, right? The gaze from the sunrise and sunset <laughs> to the clock tower. And suddenly our attitudes and what we're paying attention to shifts. Hmm. Am I making my case yet? Uh, I'm trying so hard. It did change things. You know, you know, Marshall McLuhan, the communication scholar who I like to quote, <laughs> you know, start talking about how time started appearing in consciousness when we got the clock and the click and the click. And, he did say, hey, it changed when people thought to eat, not when they were hungry, but when it was, quote unquote, time to eat, <laughs> because the clock defined yeah. that. And he also said, when a thing becomes current, you're going to love this. <laughs> oh, when no. a thing becomes current, it creates a currency, <laughs> <laughs> which is a very Marshall McLuhan oh, wordplay kind of thing to say. But what he said, it helped create business, right? It, like mm -hmm. when we knew what time it was, people started trading on that time and yeah. using time became valuable in yeah. that sense. And so this creates a big shift. Yeah, it really does. It, it, it changes how we relate to the seasons, how we relate to the days. And, and I, I think it does change how we relate to God and to each other mm. as, as crazy as that sounds, it starts to shift our mentality and our attitude around, okay, what, what can I get done today and how much, and what's going to organize the rhythms and patterns of my day is it is it the hours is it the sunrise sunset kind of fiddler on the roof approach or is it the rent approach of click 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 how many minutes can i make make work for myself i'm glad you said minutes because minutes show up we have two more <laughs> quick stops in the history of the clock and technology and the calendar one is in the 1660s i mentioned this oh one yeah earlier. you did uh this is where the pendulum shows up <clears throat> and mm -hmm. of course we had pendulums from way back but they figured out how to take a pendulum and stuff it into a clock somehow. <laughs> but it made time precise we could actually start measuring minutes and seconds click 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 and for the first time, we start being able to say things like, I'm five minutes late. Mm. Oh, it's the worst. Which is not a thing we said before that, which is fascinating, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, because don't you don't measure that. Even when you can meet in the marketplace on the hour, you weren't five minutes late. Yeah. And then fast forward to the 1800s. We started making, you know, we're making clocks. Now it's, they're starting to be like private clocks for rich people. Then you get to grandfather clocks and then you get to the pocket watch. So one invents oh, yeah. the, the way the spring works so you can miniaturize it. And you know where it really becomes big? It becomes big during the civil war. 
in the U.S. when you have to move troops around and oh, you've got to coordinate. Yeah. You've got to like, wait, okay, you guys are going to move left, we're going to move right, do it at this time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Commanders let's start let's carrying our technology to move the people for war. Oh, man. Which is fascinating. Yeah. I, <laughs> and then everything, start- <laughs> everything starts with war. Have you noticed? <laughs> My favorite thing, not that this is important on the history technology part, but it is on fashion news. And I know you love fashion (laughs) news. Did you know that uh, men didn't wear wristwatches till after World War II? World War II? Yeah. Women could wear watches on their wrists, like on a bracelet and it would look nice, but it was considered Mm. really feminine and not masculine. Uh, But during Mm. World War II, they again needed to move troops and it was better on the wrist. And so we wore it when we did that. When guys came home, we said, okay, we can wear it on the wrist. So you're allowed to wear a wrist watch and be cool and a man. Mm. (laughs) Masculinity (laughs) took on a new form, huh? And then we started keeping seconds on our wrist. So, Adam, that's a brief history of time. <laughs> and how we Stephen got Stephen Hawking <laughs> would be so proud. And how we got from seasons to seconds. So you look skeptical. I want people to see your facial expressions <laughs> sometime. Uh, Do you think this is supposedly tick, 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 making us less spiritual? You know, I'm aware that, like, you know, around the 12 and 1300s, that there was this this increasing motive to, yeah, like align ourselves in prayer with the way that the days and the seasons were working. And we had created this model with the astrolabe. And I think we then sort of in that same heart and motive push into keeping more and more precise time. And it takes us to the clock, but I think the clock has actually sort of reversed us into not being more holy and not being more in rhythm with the days and the seasons and the years, but rather it's kind of moved us out of alignment with the rhythm of the days and the seasons of the years. And I've been to my Christian bookstore and there's a five minute prayer section. So there's those little books that <laughs> like, you got five prayer. minutes here, you pray. <laughs> and I do have five minutes cause I have seconds mm. or the prayers you go app. That thing's fast. I do love the prayers you go app. <laughs> that <laughs> gotcha. is an app that gotcha. I have. <laughs> Well, I think there is a there is a, a question here, though. Like, if we do believe that God made the world and he made it in a certain way, what does it mean for us to be in sync with that? I mean, is it really just a spiritual synchronization? Or is there, like, a truly physical or mental, emotional way of synchronizing with the world that God has made? Like, we've definitely spiritualized that in our modern context. But I wonder like when I honestly, when I do go out in nature and go for a walk, like I feel more at peace. I feel more Mm -hmm. connected. I feel more aware of God's presence. And those things I think are genuine. Now I know not everybody's that way. Not everybody finds, you know, nature to be a connecting point with, with God, but it is for me. And I think, I wonder, is there, is there validity to this idea that we would connect with God through the creation that he's made and the way that he's made it? Okay. I like being in nature too. Here's the problem with the, you're not a heretic back to nature (laughs) technology argument. It ignores, and we've talked about this before, like, for instance, if we were just utterly natural in human communication, you and I would just sit here and verbalize to each other, which we're doing fine right now. Sure. But we wouldn't invent an alphabet and a printing press that would allow us to read things and abstract thought. 
but is the abstraction of thought good and God lets us layer this technology on top of it to create rational beings? Yes, I think it is. Can we layer a clock and a calendar on top of our experience of nature and maybe like for instance in the church calendar this lets the whole church globally all coordinate together and be on the same page when mm-hmm. like when we celebrate christmas or when we celebrate easter i think that's sort of beautiful and amazing sometimes the clock allows us to coordinate like what time you and i met today <laughs> to make sure we got this podcast recorded <laughs> yeah and i think there's the, these goods and technology that doesn't automatically separate me from nature mm-hmm. i totally hear what you're saying And I really agree with what you're saying, I think, for the most part. I am not saying we should go back to nature and just wear our birthday suits in nature. No, I know you're too modest for that. And animal animal skin for you. but. (laughs) But I think, I wonder if the pendulum has swung too far in the other direction. Time jokes. And I, I wonder if we need to to dial it back a little bit (laughs) i'm sorry that one just came to me (laughs) we we developed the astrolabe and then the clock all in an effort to organize our prayer lives more precisely more consistently but it reversed on itself and we became slaves to the clock Hmm. so like okay i'll give you a quote for this one so early last century western visitors would go to the philippines Mm mm-hmm and people from the Philippines who weren't, you know, living off the clock time described Westerners as people with gods on their wrists. Dang. And, oh, well, oh, is that a, is that an Apple watch? <laughs> that I'm wearing right now? Yeah. Thank you for noticing. Yeah. It's, it's, it's quite masculine actually, <laughs> I, I have to say. <laughs> Those wristwatches. Yeah. They, they really. And, um, and I mean, your, your favorite guy to quote, Marshall McLuhan described people an executive was a slave to his clock. Mm-hmm. And throw it back at me. Yep. I think he did say that. And all I'm saying is I think, I wonder if that pendulum has swung too far and we need to, we need to bring it back into an alignment and recognize it has organized social life. It has organized society for now a thousand years. And we're not necessarily aware of how is it moving me away from prayer away from attentiveness to God and what do I need to actually like step away from a little bit in order to reconnect with God in order to reconnect with the way he's made the world. I hear sermons about the Sabbath and Sabbath keeping as a way, you know, God made the world and God rested on the seventh day and therefore we should as well. And it's this same idea that like we enter into a rhythm that God has because God has that rhythm and we want, we want to be made more into his image and so we join with him in those rhythms. And I, I wonder if the clock has taken us too far away from that. I'm not going to lie. I'm attracted to the picture of being pulled into God's time. I see where you're saying that the clock, I mean, there was always kinds of clocks, right? But yeah. you're saying the mechanical clock, the seconds have taken us away maybe from the sort of simpler scale of the sun and the moon. Yeah, and even, even, I mean, long ago, people criticized the water clock for doing the same thing, taking us out of the rhythms of nature. So it's not new. So, But the water clock was made of water is natural. And here was my mm. thought. The newest clocks, we didn't talk about these, are like cesium clocks. They're nuclear 
more than even just Flows nuclear clocks. <laughs> They're like atomic clocks on steroids, right? Because the atomic clock is what we used, and now we use like a thing called a cesium fountain, and it delivers an accuracy oh of 100 fountain. femos seconds I don't even know it's 100 <laughs> quadrillionths of a second like you can go 10,000 years and barely lose any time and <laughs> my question is isn't this natural as well like we're basing time on being able to observe the natural universe that God made we just can see these really amazing and beautiful vibrations of the molecular structure of the universe yeah, and the scale know. is the scale of the sun was bigger than us and more distant than us. The scale of this is actually smaller than us, but more distant than us. Mm. <laughs> and it provides an awe, sort of either direction you look. And I wonder what it means to live in a cesium femotosecond world <laughs> that God made, and in the time that God constructed off that. I don't know. I think we're gonna have to agree to disagree a bit on this one. I I hear your I I hear where you're coming from with cesium and like you had even heard the word cesium. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it, it's these natural things that are being put through uh, human constructs as well. And like you said, you know, we barely lose any time over ten thousand years. The truth is, the clock is a model that doesn't fully capture the way that the world is. It, it's a reflection of the way the world is, but we lose time. We have a leap year. We have daylight savings all in order to like adjust ourselves to the way that the world is. And clocks, as, as precise as they can be, still fail to, to capture it fully. Which is why you don't know when the new year is going to happen. And I will, because I can just go 10, <laughs> 9, 8, eight seven, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Happy New Year! Well, Chris, it's that time... Again, <laughs> it's time for vice or virtue. Advent calendars. <laughs> Advent calendars. Yeah. Wow, that's good. You got the church in there. You got the calendar in there. You got my nieces sitting on the floor after my aunt just handed them three presents. They unwrapped it before Christmas. Three advent calendars, huh. uh, huge ones. They have little doors in them. You didn't do this? I, I, I don't feel See, like when I... when we was a kid, we used to, like, every night on the way to Christmas during Advent, we'd, like, open up a door, and there'd be, like, we'd read a little story about it. There might be, like, some Christmas things, and then there'd be, this was the key, a chocolate. Mm. There would be chocolate <laughs> in the advent calendars that you got to unwrap. So as a kid, you just suffered through the Jesus story or whatever just to get to the chocolate, <laughs> essentially. I have great memories of my parents doing the advent calendar at night before bed because candy, so it's definitely a virtue. Because <laughs> candy. Well, yeah, I I think I did advent calendars maybe a couple times as a kid, but clearly not enough because I'm just so out of sync with the way God made the world. <laughs> I didn't do enough advent calendars and I need to do more. I didn't do one this year. Maybe that's another resolution I need to make, but I will say a virtue as well for all of the reasons that I've talked about in this podcast. 
Sinking with God's time. Exactly. Well, Happy New Year. Everyone. We'll, we'll see. I'll see you and everybody else when the calendar changes. Are you trying to make a calendar joke at this point? <laughs> it's really not working. It's is not it? working. See you later. It was not as good as my pendulum <laughs> joke. Bye. Hey, let's keep the conversation going. I think it's an argument. Okay. Tweet to us at Device Virtue. And for links and show notes, check us out at deviceandvirtue.com. And do leave us some love by rating us on iTunes. Yeah, please do. This episode was brought to you in part by Wheaton College's M.A. in Humanitarian and Disaster Leadership, which prepares Christian professionals to serve others faithfully and excellently. Called to help people facing disasters, human trafficking, poverty, or displacement as refugees? Visit wheaton.edu hdl.